You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. All right, well, it's good to be with everybody. How are you doing tonight? Hot? I was going to say, if anybody wants to drop like $30,000 in the offering tonight, we will buy air conditioning, okay? That's kind of like, that's kind of what it costs to get those rooftop units. So um, we, we bought projectors and speakers instead of air conditioning. So, uh, but it's great to, uh, great to have you with us. Thanks for sticking it out and uh, appreciate you, you being a part of us. We are teaching through this uh, book of Philippians for our current series. Uh, which is sparking joy by decluttering the soul. And uh, it's important to know that Paul wrote the letter to the Philippian church, to the Philippians, uh, during their time of terrible persecution. He wrote the letter to encourage them, to encourage them to keep going, to not give up, uh, to keep pressing forward, and to understand that the source for their joy is not found in their circumstances. The source for their joy is found in holding on to their faith in Jesus. And the key kind of scripture or anchor scripture that we've looked at over the last number of weeks is Philippians 1.10. And Paul says this, he says, I want you to understand what really matters. So you may live pure and blameless lives until the return of Christ. And the underlying kind of message of our series has been uh, that, that decluttering our souls is really about figuring out and understanding what really matters. And when we understand what really matters, we can find true joy and true kind of strength and presence and peace of Jesus in our lives. Now, Paul was born, the, the Apostle Paul, who, who wrote this letter, was born into a strong Jewish heritage. He was educated from an early age to passionately follow the law. He was zealous about his faith. And prior to his conversion, Paul unapologetically persecuted Christians for what he considered uh, blasphemy against the Lord. And uh, he spent the vast majority of his life zealously following the law as the singular purpose of his life. Until that one day on the Damascus Highway, he has this dramatic encounter with Jesus and everything is changed in his life. His whole life is kind of turned upside down and he has this incredible uh, transformation and this encounter with Jesus. And in that one moment, Everything Paul had known, everything he'd focused on, everything he lived for, everything that had defined his life, everything that gave him meaning and purpose, it all changed. Jesus shows up and kind of rewrites this whole story. In Philippians 3, 8 to 9, Paul says this about his former life as a zealous Jew. Paul says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. At one time, Paul got all of his purpose, his identity in following the law. It's, it's what defines his life. But Jesus changes all that. Jesus gives him new meaning, new purpose, new focus, new identity. And then Paul says this, and this is the passage we look at tonight. So Paul says this, I I don't want to mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, 
But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul says, there's still work to be done in my heart. I haven't got it all figured out. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I, I haven't got everything sorted out. I still fall short. I haven't reached perfection yet. He says, I, I haven't reached there. I haven't achieved it all. But this is what I believe in Jesus, is this new life, new purpose, new focus. This sounds very similar to our community manifesto on the wall over in the coffee shop, that one line that says, no one's perfect. This idea that Paul says, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I press on, I keep trying, I keep believing, I keep running the race, I won't quit. I love Paul's emphasis on keep on keeping on, keep running the race. How do we keep running the race? How do we keep holding to faith in Jesus when our faith feels weak, when it feels like things will never change, when it feels like we're stuck in the same old habits and patterns. How do we keep moving forward? Why do we keep moving forward? Well, Paul says to the Philippians, he says, look, if you want to keep moving forward, this is how you do it. Focus on this one thing. Forget the past and look forward to what we have in Jesus. Forget the past. Now, forgetting the past is certainly easier said than done. Forgetting the past is hard. And you know, we can't change the past. Rick Warren, he says this, this, this pastor in California is a great kind of influential church leader and author. Rick Warren says one of the most exhausting uses of our energy as he works with people and counsels people and helps them in their spiritual journey, then what he's learned and what he's seen over and over again is one of the most exhausting uses of our energy is worrying about the past because we can't change it. I ran across this quote during my study. We can't change the past, but we can change how the past defines our future. Think about the beauty of that phrase. We can't change the past, but we can change how the past defines our future. Paul, he knew this. In the context of what Paul is writing, Forgetting the past means for him he no longer lived by the labels and the definitions that once dominated his life. He no longer was a zealous Jew who hunted down and persecuted Christians. He was no longer focused on trying to earn his righteousness by following the law. He was no longer living for the things that at one time had given him so much meaning and purpose. He wasn't that purpose anymore. He wasn't that person anymore. He was a new creation with a new identity, and he found it in Jesus. And you know, sometimes we have, we have things from our past, experiences, and it's like, man, what? And you think, you know, the family you were born into and the, the start you got in life and the circumstances and some of the mistakes you made and some of the choices you made and, and some of this stuff kind of can close in on you and it feels like it's holding on and it won't let go and it's trying to shape and lead your life. Well, forgetting the past is about shedding the labels that we once had and not letting them define us anymore. It's about living with a new focus and a new purpose that we find in Jesus. Every one of us carries around a distorted self-image of ourselves. 
You know what this is. This is the internal story that you tell yourself, that you believe about yourself. I was at a, a leadership workshop some time ago with some uh, really great, gifted pastors. Uh, it was a privilege and an honor to be in the room with uh, some of these pastors are leading large, influential churches. Some of them have written books. They're leading large staffs. People are coming to faith in Jesus. And they're, th- these guys, are, they're, they're making it happen. And, and some, of the, some of the female pastors, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing a great job. Amazing, sharp leaders. And when we're in the workshop, the presenter says, I want you to, you put down a, gave us all a, a paper and our notes and pencils, I want you to describe your weaknesses. Write them out. And um, these, these sharp leaders are like, like looking over on the other side of the paper, trying to like draw an arrow pointing to the other side. And there's, they're like, they're writing novels of their shortcomings and their weaknesses. And these are really great, gifted leaders. And then the workshop instructor says, okay, I want you to describe your strengths. Flicking their pens, thinking. Not a lot of writing. Certainly not filling pages and turning over and continuing to go. Each one of us has a recording that plays over and over that clearly tells us why we're not good enough, why we won't change, we're a failure, we're a disappointment. We can't do it. There's something in us that is like, it tries to kind of tear us down and stop us, and we become so familiar with that. And if we have to give you a list of all the things that we'd want to change about ourselves, all the things that we think are a disappointment, all the things we wish we could do better, we can write and write and write and write. But it's so hard for us to identify and believe in the things that Jesus has gifted us in and that he's provided for us and that he empowers us in. We hold on to the internal stories of what's wrong with us much more than we do what's right with us. We hold on to negative beliefs and thoughts much more than we hold on to the good. And if we don't find a way to turn off the negative thoughts, we're in trouble. They will destroy us. Those messages will will haunt us because a thought becomes a belief and a belief becomes our reality. And when we begin to believe and listen to the negative thoughts that play long enough and, and we pay enough attention to them, eventually when we begin to believe them and we begin to take them into our soul, we will begin to live them out. They will begin to shape the direction of our life. A thought becomes a belief. A belief becomes a reality. And Paul tells the Philippian believers to forget the definitions and the labels of the past. Forget about the circumstances. Forget about the mistakes. Forget about all that stuff which keeps trying to reach into your future and tell you who you can be, where you can go, what your life is about. And discover that Jesus is calling us into a new identity. Look forward into Jesus. Press on into Jesus. Let go of the things from the past. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. 
The old life is gone and a new life has begun. This is something that we learn. We try to, we try to lean on Jesus. We try to discover and we have to learn to overcome the lies and the labels of the past that try to shape our future. Wilma Rudolph was born in 1940 as number 20 of 22 children in her family. And uh, she struggled from day one. I, I mean, just being number 20 of 22 kids is enough reason to struggle. But in 1940, Wilma is born premature, weighing in just over four pounds. Not only is she premature, but she was born with polio. And the fact that her family was poor and African-American made proper medical care in 1940 that much more difficult to get. And it's a miracle that Wilma lived beyond her first few months of her precious life. By the time she's five years old, her weakened body has fought through scarlet fever, pneumonia, and infant paralysis as a result of the polio. And as a result of her medical issues, Wilma misses her first few years of school. She's, she's unable to, to go to class. And she's left at home alone with no one to teach her how to read. And at the age of six, she began to relearn how to walk on her own with a leg brace and a, and a clumsy orthopedic shoe. And by the time she finally begins school at age eight, Wilma is behind physically, socially, and academically. The other kids in grade three, they quickly single her out as the weakest of the herd, and she's ridiculed and picked on by her classmates. Their taunts and jeers are hurtful. Their words sting. And she goes to sleep at night hearing their voices from the playground play over and over in her head. And Wilma has to make a decision at the precious age of eight she has to decide. Will she listen to the voices and live with the labels or face them down and keep going to school? Well, Wilma doesn't quit. She works hard on learning to walk again. She keeps going to school. And when she's 12, at 12 years old, she finally takes off the leg brace and learns to walk, even clumsy, even slow, even awkward. She learns to walk without her leg brace, and she never puts it on again. Wilma's older sister was a popular forward on the basketball team and encouraged her to try out. And she was gripped with fear. But she tried out for the basketball team. Eventually, in grade eight, she tries out for the basketball team. And once again, she has to face the ridicule of others who labeled her as the crippled, poor kid who had no business playing basketball. And she not only makes the team, but she discovers a love for competitive team sports. And she spends every day after school on the courts, working on her shots, strengthening her leg, and eventually she becomes one of the starters, one of the stars of her junior high basketball team. And in a chance meeting one day, the head coach of Tennessee State University's track team, Ed Temple, 
drops by the school to visit with the school's track coach, friends from way back, and he drops in to say hi. And while he's waiting to visit with the coach, he sits down and he watches some of the grade eight girls' basketball game. And Ed Temple is immediately impressed and drawn to the natural athleticism and competitive spirit displayed by Wilma. Ed Temple didn't know Wilma's story. He didn't know her past. He didn't know her labels or all of the reasons why she couldn't or shouldn't or wouldn't be a success on the track. He just saw her potential. And he invites the 14-year-old girl to Tennessee State's summer track camp to try out what it would be like training as a sprinter. No one could believe the crippled kid who walked funny and spent her first half of her life in a leg brace was going to be a runner. By this time, she'd only been out of her leg brace for two years. And once again, Wilma had to face the voices of her past that told her she couldn't be a sprinter, and she courageously shows up and goes to track camp. And Ed Temple never treated Wilma by the label she carried with her her whole life. He just treated her as a sprinter. And within two years of training with Ed Temple, Wilma secures a spot on the U.S. Olympic team. And at 16 years of age, she's the youngest member on the team and represents the U.S. in the 1956 Olympics in Melbourne. She competed in her strongest category, the 200-meter race. And she fails miserably. She finishes nearly last in the first heat and misses qualifying even in the semifinals. And in her discouragement, Wilma felt the weight of the labels stick to her again. She heard the voices that said she was the crippled kid who had no business trying to compete in the Olympics. Who did she think she was? She was heartbroken, embarrassed, defeated. And all she could hear in her head were the taunts of her neighborhood school kids when she was eight years old in class for the first time with her leg brace. And then her coach offers her a spot on the women's four by 100 relay at the end, at the close of the Olympics. And once again, Wilma has to make the choice. Would she listen to the voices and the curses that said she didn't belong there? Or would she take a risk and run another race in the Olympics? Wilma musters the courage. She runs the race, and her team places third, and she brings a bronze medal back home. The girl born with polio, the girl who was paralyzed at five, the girl who had to learn to walk again, the girl who went to school with a leg brace and an orthopedic shoe that was ridiculed her entire childhood, that girl returns home to her neighborhood as an Olympic medalist in, of all things, running. And all of a sudden, it isn't just Ed Temple who believes in Wilma. It was her teammates, her classmates, the entire neighborhood began to see Wilma as an Olympic medal-winning sprinter. And the curse of her past and, and the, the labels that she had let, let shape her life, the stories from her past that she had to wrestle with and fight through her whole life began to finally be broken. And Wilma began to believe that she can do it. 
And she spends the next four years with a singular focus. She forgot the past and she looked forward to becoming the very best sprinter that she could be. She trains with razor sharp intensity and she easily qualifies for the 1960 Olympics in Rome, Italy. She competed in the 100 meter, the 200 meter, and ran anchor in the women's four by 100 meter relay. And she took gold in all three races. She was the first American woman in history to take three gold medals in one Olympic Games. Not only that, but Wilma sets a world record in all three events. The crippled polio kid who couldn't walk without a brace was declared the fastest woman in the world. Wilma Rudolph knew what it meant to forget the past, to shed the labels, to not look back, but to look forward and to reach the end of the race. And the most important race for Wilma, the most important events for her life were not the 1960 Olympic gold medal races. They were deciding not to quit school when she was eight years old. They were mustering up the courage, the moments of her life when she says, I will be on the basketball team. I will do this. I won't listen to what they say. I will push through. Those were Wilma's most important moments. And so I would ask tonight, what labels from your past are still defining your life today? What messages are you listening to over and over again? What things do you believe about yourself that keep showing up, that you keep confronting, that keep trying to tell you how you're going to live, how you're going to follow the Lord, how you're going to move forward in life? You cannot change your past, but you can change how your past defines your future. 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Forget the past. Look to the future. You are a new creation. There is new in Jesus He can forgive you. He can give you new purpose. He can give you understanding. He can give you new calling. He can give you hope. He can give you courage. You don't have to live haunted by the past. Jesus offers a life full of hope and greater opportunities. One of the, one of the first things that sprinters, this is something I, I learned actually ironically in, in, my, in my talk, in my studies as I was putting together my message, that one of the first things sprinters are taught is never look back. As hard as it is to learn, they must remember that what's happening behind them does not change. It does nothing to help them run any faster. Their sole focus should be placed on looking ahead to the finish line, mustering every ounce of speed that they can, they can come up with. 
Looking back only throws them off. It, it, it breaks your focus, which breaks your rhythm, which breaks your stride. And sprinters are taught to shut out everything else and focus solely on their lane and running the fastest race they possibly can. And if looking back to your opponent causes you to push a little bit harder, all that means is you're not pushing hard enough to begin with. And they're trained and they're focused. Push as hard as you can. Run the race as hard as you can, as fast as you can, with everything you've got, with nothing left behind. If you can run that kind of a race, it totally doesn't matter what's behind you. It only matters what's in front of you. That's how you train. A sprinter's goal is to forget everyone else, forget what is behind, focus on the finish line, run the race as hard and as fast as they possibly can. Part of decluttering our soul is getting rid of the voices and the labels of our past and letting our new identity in Jesus define our future. Paul says this. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And tonight, I want to pray for you. We're going to just take a moment, and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to reveal something to you, reveal something to your heart. Maybe, maybe there's a a story or a voice or a label or something that you've been living with, something that's been almost putting a hold and a, and a, and a grabbing hold and trying to shape your life. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would make that clear, that you would see that, and that you would ask him tonight to set you free from that, and that you would enter in to a new life and a new direction in him. Forget the past. And do you know how we forget the past? Part of forgetting the past, part of forgetting the past is looking and fixing our eye on Jesus. Part of that is saying, you know what? I will stop looking back. I will stop. I will only put my eyes on Jesus. Jesus has got hope. He's got courage. He's got strength. He's got guidance. He's got a future. He's got promises. He's got healing, restoration, forgiveness. Jesus has it all for you. Grab on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Go with him. Run the race for him. Forget the past. Forget the labels. Forget the start you had in life. Forget the family background that limits you and all the experiences and all the situations and all the circumstances and focus in on Jesus. And so even we're going to do this without the band. We're just going to have this moment of ministry. And could we just in this moment, I'm going to invite you to stand because I know you've been sitting for a while and it's hotter than blazes in here. And um, if you've ever seen... McChickens under the heat lamps. That's kind of what it's like to preach on a Sunday night under these lights, okay? And so um, we're not going to prolong this, but I wonder if maybe we can just spend a moment in prayer. Um, I'm going to ask if Bethany can come. Just, just Bethany on keys, uh, if she's around and can hear. Uh, that would be great. And I want to just take a moment, and we're going to just pray, and I want you to just kind of would you, maybe you don't do this. Maybe you've, never, maybe you've never done this before. Maybe this is new. 
just, just kind of sit in the presence, just be quiet in the presence of the Holy Spirit and open your heart to him and just see if he would whisper something into your soul, into your life. And the question that we're asking the Holy Spirit tonight is what is it from my past that is trying to define and shape my future? And then we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to work in our heart and to set us free from that so we can focus on a clear picture of Jesus. This is part of hearing God. It's part of who we are as Christian people in this moment. And so in this moment, Jesus, we pause. We quiet our hearts. We quiet our spirits. We make some space and we open our souls to you. Holy Spirit, would you show us what lies, what labels, what beliefs about ourselves, what things from our past, what, what messages have we held on to, do we give airtime to, that are not healthy, that are not helping us. Lord, would you reveal that in every heart in this room? We're just going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Spirit is showing you some things. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a big list. As I was thinking about tonight, I had a strong feeling that there are some here tonight and it's this idea of your, your past, your start, your family. There's some wounding feelings of rejection, feelings of pain, maybe divorce, abandonment. And you're hurting from that. And that lie would say you're not worthy. That wound would say no one loves you, you're not good enough. And it brings fear and insecurity. And you should know tonight 
that you are the adopted daughter, you are the adopted son of Jesus. That he loves you. He declares worth over your life. And that you can't change. You can't change where you came from. You can't change what happened. It was beyond your control. It's not your fault. But Jesus can show up in your life and he can help you so that it doesn't shape and define your future. And there are bright days ahead, days of fulfillment, days of joy, days of being with friends and being in the presence of Jesus, of knowing that God is faithful and he's with you. And so I pray that you would just be set free from that. And the rest of us, all those things that we thought that we were meditating on, that the Holy Spirit showed us, would you just in your heart just say, Jesus, I give that over to you. I give that belief, that negative thought. I give it over to you, Jesus. That mistake, that sin, that decision, that failure. I give it over to you. Jesus, would you help me to not be defined by my past, but be defined by my future in you. Help me to look forward. Help me to run as hard and as fast as I can and to focus only on you and not worry about what's behind. I pray, Lord, that you would write a new story on our hearts, write a new story on our lives, that the beginning of summer 2019 in Kelowna would be the beginning of a new season of new life in you. I pray, Lord, that those lies and those beliefs would not shape our lives anymore, but we would hold on to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to audio from The House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.